welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. The Epistle of James has been referred to by some as a manual of practical living. Now, all of us should be able to identify with that thought. We are always asking that everything be made practical. You know, speakers are admonished to use the KISS principle. You know, keep it simple, stupid. And there is a sense in which the Epistle of James is a how-to book. You know, any bookstore you go into has a large section of how-to books, from you know, how to build a patio to how to repair your motorcycle. We are sort of a do-it-yourself kind of people. Many who can afford to have anything and everything done by others, well, they like to do it themselves. The epistle of James is a kind of how-to manual for life. Now, that's appealing, isn't it? I mean, we hear a lot from preachers about what we should do, but perhaps not enough about how to do it. Now, Luther, he called this epistle an epistle full of straw. He felt there was nothing evangelical about it. Now, while Luther called the letter an epistle of straw, others have called it the epistle of rock, the epistle of reality, the epistle of common sense. So, I believe it is a book that we are well advised to heed. Its purpose is not to proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, yet here is wisdom and guidance for those who would be followers of Jesus. In fact, some have even thought it was a commentary on sections of the Sermon on the Mount. Throughout the letter, you will find those words of James that sound very much like the words of Jesus. Matthew 13, 55 identifies James as one of Mary's sons and one of Jesus' half-brothers. This family connection may account for the many similarities between James' epistle and Jesus' teachings recorded in the Gospels. But Scripture makes it clear that when James and his other brothers were growing up, they did not recognize who their older sibling really was. You know, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 7 and verse 5, here it tells us his brother said this because even they didn't believe in him. Now, at some point in his life, James came to have saving faith in Jesus as his Lord. In fact, James rose to prominence in the early church that Paul called him in Galatians 2.9 one of the pillars of the church. In addition, we know that according to 1 Corinthians 15.7, Jesus appeared to James after his resurrection. James's position of authority is well documented in the New Testament. For, for instance, 
he appears three times in the book of Acts as the leader of the Jerusalem church. And in Acts 15, we, say him, we see him as the spokesman for the council of apostles. Even, even non-Christians acknowledge James' importance in the church. Now, while growing up, James may not have understood who his older brother really was. But we can see from Scripture and, and, and other historical records that later in his adult life, James had an unwavering commitment to Jesus as the Christ. Now, we're going to center on these important points that James the preacher made. We're going to elaborate them and seek to apply them to our own lives. The, the body of the epistle starts with a shout. James chapter 1 and in verse 2 it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. No hesitation here. No fumbling to get to the point. No tiptoeing around the thorny issue. And what is this first thorny issue that James addresses? Suffering, you know, trials, you know, troubles. All those flies in the ointment, all those thorns in the flesh, all those knockdowns in life, all that being pushed back to the goal line and having to start again. That's where James begins. And he shouts, consider it all joy. Now, I can feel you thinking and, and, and maybe saying beneath your breath, you call this a how-to book? You call this an epistle of practical living? Sounds rather naive. Sounds like a cloud nine approach, not a down-to-earth grappling with reality. Well, at least James gets our attention right off the bat. You know, anyone who grabs our shoulders and shakes us and looks us straight in the eye and with a steady voice hones in, consider it all joy. Well, someone who does that deserves our hearing. So let's so let's listen to him. So what are the lessons contained here? Well, the first is elementary, but we tend to forget it. Growth is not easy. Now, I know that sounds so simplistic that I want to say it again so that you take it seriously. Growth is not easy. This is true of any kind of growth. It isn't easy. It's especially true of Christian growth. That's the reason why there are so few truly saintly people. And that's the reason we should be slow to judge the faith and the commitment of others. So much of our growth and so much of the way we express our faith, well, it's dependent on the kind of people we are and we are all different. You know, there's a story of two generals in the Civil War. The pressures of battle were intense. and 
the one general noticed that the other man was visibly afraid. So, so he says to him, sir, he said, if I were as frightened as you, I'd be ashamed to call myself a general in our nation's army. Sir, the other man replied, if you were as frightened as I am, you would have fled the field of battle by now. None of us know the other person's struggles. We, we sometimes think we do. But more often than not, what we perceive is far from reality. I've never been a drinking man, so I can't begin to understand the struggle of an alcoholic. So we need to be careful about judging others. We never know what may be going on inside, driving them to their actions and, and, and their attitudes. If we're not willing to be patient with people and stick with them until they are free to share their inner, inner struggle with us, we can at least not add to their burden by judging them. But growth is not easy. And so much of our growth, so much of the way we express our faith is dependent on the kind of people we are, and we are all different. Now that, that suggests a second truth. When you are suffering, it doesn't help to compare yourself with others. About 200 years ago, there was a young boy who lived in England who was very sick. They didn't have the kinds of medicines back then that we have today. They weren't blessed with the medical technology that we know. And so all of his life, he remained in that condition and never became a strong person, physically at least. When he was young, he would, he would look out the window of his house and he'd watch all of the other children playing in the field. He would get sad as he watched them and at times even crying because he wanted to be out there with them, but, but, but he couldn't. And that made him feel sorry for himself. And he was jealous and envious of others. When he got older, he decided that he would go into ministry, be a pastor of a congregation, spend his life serving Christ in that way. But again, his health failed, and he was just too frail to carry on his pastoral duties. Again, he became deeply depressed. Why can't I be like other people? He cried out. They've got their health, and I don't. They can do things with their lives, and I can't. They are out there making a difference, and I'm just sitting here unable to make any difference at all. Why can't I be like them? Well, one day, someone talked with this young man and helped him see that his life had its own purpose apart from that of anyone else. He began to realize that he would get nowhere so long as he compared himself with everyone else. 
He had his own life to live apart from that of anyone else. And, and what mattered was that he live his own life fully and completely and to the very best of his ability. And when he did that, his life really began to take off. You see, that man was none other than Isaac Watts, one of the greatest hymn writers of all time, the one who wrote Joy to the World and Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past. But it didn't happen for him until he quit looking around, comparing himself with others, and committed himself to living his own unique life. So if we're going to learn how to consider it all a joy and move through our suffering and trials to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, we need to know that it doesn't help to compare ourselves with others. Now, that pushes us back to a specific word in our text, suffering. Suffering can be wasted or it can produce endurance. That's what James says. Listen to him here in, in verse 3. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But I want you to listen carefully to the completion of the thought in verse 4. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. You see it? You see, suffering may produce endurance and faith, and we may still be incomplete. We may still lack joy. Pain by itself is evil. It doesn't teach us anything. It, it may discipline us to be strong and not complain. It may turn us into cynics. We may be tough and steadfast in our suffering, keeping always a stiff upper lip. But that's a long way from what James is talking about when he says, consider it all joy that you may be perfect complete, lacking in nothing. Philip Yancey, in his book, Disappointment with God, gives us the clue for allowing our steadfast faith in suffering to work its full effect in our lives. He tells, he tells about a modern-day Job, a man named Douglas. Douglas seemed righteous in the sense of Job, not perfect, but a model of faithfulness. After years of training and psychotherapy, he had declined a lucrative career in favor of starting an urban ministry. Douglas' troubles began some years when his wife discovered a lump in her breast. Surgeons removed that breast, but, but two years later, the cancer had spread to her lungs. Douglas took over many household and parental duties as his wife battled with the debilitating effects of chemotherapy. And sometimes she couldn't hold down any food. She lost her hair. And always she felt tired and, and, and vulnerable 
to, to fear and depression. One night in the midst of this crisis, as Douglas was driving down a city street with his wife and 12-year-old daughter, a drunk driver swerved across the center line and smashed head-on into their car. Douglas' wife was badly shaken but unhurt. His daughter suffered a broken arm and severe facial cuts from windshield glass. Douglas himself received the worst injury, a massive blow to the head. After the accident, Douglas never knew when a headache might strike. He could not work a full day and sometimes he would become disoriented and forgetful. Worse, the accident permanently affected his vision. One eye wandered at will, refusing to focus. He developed double vision and could hardly walk down a flight of stairs without assistance. Douglas learned to cope with all his disabilities but one. He could not read more than a page or two at a time. All his life, he loved books. Now he was restricted to the limited selections and the sluggish pace of recorded books. So, so Philip Yancey was writing his book entitled Disappointment with God and asked Douglas for an interview. They met at breakfast. Yancey described the book he was writing on disappointment with God and asked, could you tell me about your own disappointment? What have you learned that, that might help someone else going through a difficult time? Well, Douglas was silent for what seemed like a long time. He stroked his, his peppery gray beard and gazed off. And, and finally he said, to tell you the truth, Philip, I didn't feel any disappointment with God. Yancey was startled. And this is what he said. The reason is this. I learned first through my wife's illness, and then especially through the accident, not to confuse God with life. I'm no stoic. I am as upset about what happened to me as anyone could be. I feel free to curse the unfairness of life and to vent all my grief and anger, but I believe God feels the same way about the accident, grieved and angry. I don't blame him for what happened. I've learned to see beyond the physical reality of this world to the spiritual reality. He said, we tend to think life should be fair because God is fair, but, but God is not life. And if I confuse God with the physical reality of life by expecting constant good health, for example, then I set myself up for a crashing disappointment. God's existence, even his love for me, does not depend on my good health. Frankly, I've had more time and opportunity to work on my relationship with God during my impairment than before. Well, Yancey reflected on this and the deep irony of the scene. For months, he had been absorbed in the failures of faith, 
having sought out stories of people that were disappointed in God, and he had chosen Douglas as his modern-day Job and had expected from him a bitter blast of protest. The last thing he had anticipated was a graduate course in faith. If we develop a relationship with God apart from our life circumstances, then we may be able to hang on when the physical reality breaks down. We can learn to trust God despite all the unfairness of life. And isn't that really the main point of Job? Well, suddenly, Douglas glanced down at his watch and realized that he was already late for another appointment. He put on his coat hurriedly, stood up to leave, and then leaned forward and with one final thought for Yancey, he said, I challenge you to go home and read again the story of Jesus. Was life fair to him? For me, the cross demolished for all time the basic assumption that life will be fair. Do you see the difference? It's very clear, isn't it? We can waste our suffering or we can allow it to produce endurance in faith. And we can allow that endurance in faith to perfect and complete us, leaving us lacking in nothing. So the shout of James is real. Consider it all joy. And we can do that if we know that growth is not easy, if we realize that when we are suffering, it doesn't help us to compare ourselves to others. And if we will not waste our suffering, but allow the suffering to produce endurance in faith, to learn that which will bring us to completion lacking in nothing. Now that's a rather good lesson in practical living, isn't it? Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. And at this time, Father, I pray for those that may be going through one of those trials. May they reach out to you and may you strengthen them in the midst of their suffering that it will make them complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program when we have our special offer. Each and every week, we have an offer for our viewers. And today, we are offering this little book called The Master of Love. He lived for you. You know, it's a wonderful book. Um, we have offered it in the past, and the feedback has been wonderful. And so, if you're watching us and you said, well, I've already, you know, requested that book. Hey, request it again. We'll be happy to send it to you. And that's where you can share it with a friend. Uh, for you that are watching us for the very first time, these offers are made free of charge. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. It'll arrive in your home, postage paid. If you'd like to request your copy of The Master of Love, 
listen carefully to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to ask you that if you can do us a favor and invite your friends to tune in also. You know, share with them what you think of the program. Share it with us. Uh, you can always go to our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you can send a prayer request or a comment on the program. Uh, you can see all of the previous programs. There's a tab there that says previous programs and you have access to every program we have ever aired. Uh, you can request the offer from the website also. Um, there's a appearing live tab, which, uh, which shows you where I may be appearing live. And if we're in your area, why not come out and visit us? And then there's a Donate Today tab, and, and we really appreciate those that click on that tab and make a donation to help keep the program on the air. We are a charitable organization, and so every donation you make is eligible for a tax-deductible receipt. And we'd be happy to send that to you. So if you feel so impressed to, to help out the ministry, you can make a donation right there online, or you can mail us a check. The address is there on the website. What else do we have happening in social media? Well, you can follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every morning I put out a one-minute devotional video. If you want access to that, just go on Instagram right now and follow me, Santos underscore Bill. You can follow my Twitter account, Santos underscore Bill. You can go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash L4L television. Like our Facebook page. All of the programs are going to be on SoundCloud and you can download them and listen to them at your convenience. So you'll get an audio download through SoundCloud and you can actually do that on the previous programs tab on our website. Now, there's another part of our ministry that is so important, which is the humanitarian side where we go overseas and do all kinds of humanitarian work. You can learn more about that on missionnowcanada.com. Missionnowcanada.com. You can donate to those efforts, but better still is why not sign up to join us on our next overseas mission trip. 
Well, we are all out of time. Thank you again for joining us. Let's do this again next time. I hope you'll be here. God bless you. We'll see you then.